0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello and welcome in once again. I am John Kurtz, joined by Cole Manbeck today. We do not have Derek Young on the pod, but that is okay because... We have K-State Athletic Director Gene Taylor with us. Very happy to welcome him on to the pod uh, for the first time. So, Gene, thank you very much uh, for joining us here. I know it's been a really busy and hectic time for you. You were hanging out down around the Final Four. Right before that, you hired a men's basketball coach, and coaching searches are obviously very crazy. And, hey, we've got some Bob Bowlesby news to talk about, too, as well, as we just found out that he'll be stepping away as Big 12 commissioner here within the next 90 days. But – Let's, let, let's start back kind of reverse chronological order with the hiring of Jerome Tang as, as K-State's new men's basketball coach. Just take me through what, what the coaching search was like. It always seems very hectic from a, a fan's point of view or a pseudo-media point of view. But from the athletic director's point of view, what, what was that journey like hiring Jerome Tang as that
2: coach? Well, thanks for having me on. Appreciate you guys uh, having me on. You know, it, it can be crazy. Um, it got a little crazier as more and more jobs opened up around the times that we were, you know, ours opened up and, and you you, know, you get nervous that his name gets mentioned for some other jobs out there. Um, and in today's world with agents and their involvement with the search process, you know, constantly staying in touch with, with their agent. You know, Jerome being an assistant, you know, we had an opportunity to probably have more contact with him directly just because I mean, he wasn't too worried about uh, being a sitting head coach and, and usually that's where the agents come and try to protect those guys that are current head coaches, just because they don't want to get in trouble with their current institution. So, but we were able to, between his agent and, and our search firm stay pretty much, you know, in contact with all of our um, candidates that we wanted to talk to, but it, you know, got, and then all of a sudden they're in the tournament. Right. And so most of the candidates were in the tournament. So being able to get to them, knowing that somebody was getting to, you know, no matter who it was. And then we you know, had a couple of guys that we were interested in that, you know, weren't interested in talking to us. So, you know, you kind of go up and down your list of, of priority coaches and, you know, once they lost and we had a chance to to visit with him the second time, obviously the first time we visited was, with him, was there in Kansas city and he really impressed us there. And, but as I've said before, he kind of set the bar and every time we talked to somebody, they never, they were all really good. They never really, you know, exceeded the bar. And so that's why I went back to him, you know, there in, there in Waco um, the Sunday after they lost. So, uh, but it gets a little nerve wracking there kind of depending on when jobs are open and, and their availability.
1: What what was the moment that you knew Jerome Tang was the guy?
2: (laughs) Well, like I said, we were pretty impressed with him out of the gate. And then when we got to his house and he really walked through his offensive philosophy and defensive philosophy, and he, put up some video and just, just his passion, um, how he explained things. You know, that was one of our big questions is, you know, Jerome, you're kind of touted as a defensive guy. Um, You know, are you going to create a staff to help you offensively? And he, you know, walked us through that he, you know, coaches a team in the summer that, you know, he's the main offensive coach and that's what he put up on the board first was, you know, kind of what they do offensively and what he believes in offensively and how he explained it. So, you know, he's probably going to have somebody and he said, I'll have a staff that, you know, that areas that I'm not strong in, I'll make sure I bring somebody that is as strong in those areas. Uh, you know, he he's kind of described himself as, you know, I'm kind of the, the taskmaster, the guy that's going to give you an answer you may not like, but it's going to be, you know, the honest answer. I may need to have somebody on my staff that's going to, you know, pat him on the back and love him up a little bit. So. Uh, I think he's well aware of what it takes to build a new staff. So his just presence during that, what turned out to be a three hour interview it just kept continuing to drive the, you know, the, the thought for me is this was our guy.
3: I wanted to expand on that actually a little bit, Gene. I had heard uh, coach Tang mentioned to Wyatt right after his press conference that he thought one of your questions would be about his offensive capability as a coach, right? Because at Baylor, he's known, as a defensive guy, that's what Coach Drew wanted him to do. And he, he mentioned that he brought up some film with you to show you that. I mean, did that just blow you away that he kind of knew what you would want to hit on and he was preemptively ahead of the game there and and was ready to answer those questions?
2: Well, you know, yes and no. I mean, um, I think part of it is as, as we sit around and, you know, our search firm is there with us at, at all of our interviews. We did a lot on Zoom. You know, as the candidate leaves or the candidate gets off the Zoom interview, we'll sit down with Chad and, and say, OK, he'll say, what did you like? What didn't you like? All those things. You know, what do they need to work on? What do they need to be prepared for, particularly in a one hour interview? You know, when we were first trying to reach out to some of these guys, um, you know, they don't really have a chance to any. Like I said, he was playing the night before he came to our hotel room. So it was really more of a get to know you kind of the interview. And knowing we were going to take a next step with some of them, and we might have, we were prepared to take a next step with two or three if we needed to. And so, in that process, we sit down with Chad and say, Chad, here's some things we're concerned about. He needs to be prepared to answer this. Um, he, we thought he could have gone in a little bit more detail on this. Again, it was a one hour deal. So, he gets that from his agent. And then, so we, if he hadn't have been prepared like that, we'd have probably had a question mark, right? Because we did come and give him that heads up, and that's, literally how he started off was his, and he said, I know you guys are concerned about where I might be offensively. Let me explain. And so he, he, that just continued to add to the impression we had of him by his being, he was being so prepared for
3: that, for the, for the second round of interviews. Regarding his staff, does, does he give you a list of names of potential candidates like kind of a pool that he might pick from in the planning project, process process and, and give you a list that he might hire and, outline maybe the money that he might need to hire those pool of assistants and was that any sort of an issue
2: no it really wasn't um and so yeah he does and he had you know probably a half a dozen guys that you know particularly again for a guy like jerome that hadn't been a head coach his assistants they sit around and say hey if i ever get a job you know you're a guy i'd really like to bring with me here's why and then we ask him what were their strong suits what are they going to bring to the table and a couple of them you know, obviously, we're very impressive based on what they've done in the in, in the in the past. One of them, a couple of them, he didn't get, but the ones he did get, you know, were were on his list. He explained why he was bringing them, and then we just talked. You know, I you, I had a pool of money in mind, what I thought was be um, appropriate. Uh, he was fine with that pool and felt he could work within it and still get everybody he needed. Um, so none of that was a, a major issue.
1: I know we've we've already heard about uh, Jerem, Yurik, and Marco that that are going to be on his staff. Do you have an idea of when when that staff is going to be wrapped up and finalized for him?
2: It should be soon. Um, you know, I think now it's just kind of a paperwork making sure. I think, man, I think all three of those guys should be done because um, we were waiting for some background checks. Those all came through fine. Um, they've all been approved by the board or our KSA board. So. I, I, I think now it's just a matter of getting them. They're getting their contract signed and, and getting that paperwork to them.
1: Well, I don't know if this is a question you asked directly, and and maybe it is. I guess you can tell me in in the interview process with Coach Tang. But the the one thing I think there's obviously a lot of excitement here. There's a ton of track record for this guy as a recruiter. Um, you can't find anybody that'll say a bad thing about him as a man. But he is a first time head coach, right? And that is the the part of this hire that to some would seem a little bit risky. What, what is, I guess your answer for, for those that would have concerns about a first time head coach at the the division one collegiate level here. And what was his answer? If you did ask him about that to kind of assuage your
2: concerns about it. Yeah, we did. We, we, I think the way it was posed was okay. Jerome, kind of, like you just said, we've heard a lot of really good things about you. One of my concerns is that transition from being a head coach to, or from an assistant coach to being a head coach and all the things that surround that, that, and I gave him a story of a, of a coach that I hired at North Dakota State that had been a, a longtime assistant. And I said, you know, it was about two months into his job that he, he came into my office and was very frustrated. And he said, you know, he was a baseball coach. He goes, I just want to coach baseball. That's all I want to do. And I said, guess what? You don't get to do that now. You're the head coach. You have to deal with administrators. You have to deal with budget. You have to deal with recruiting. You have to deal with parents. I said, baseball coaching will be one of the, last things you'll do except when you get in the season and and i so I shared that story with him, and he talked a lot about all that he's learned you know from Scott, and that Scott had given him a lot of the administrative duties and he did everything from budgets to you know talking to donors to you know now granted he was still heavily involved in the game planning, which he still would be, but he felt you know he was very prepared for that role being that he's been with scott for so long and scott has given him so many good duties outside of exit and Owen, as we say um and that was one of the questions i asked is ad again a conversation you can have sometimes you don't get to have when you're talking to a head coach uh because you don't want to cross that line or they don't want you to but because i know mac i was able to call mac and say okay mac what are your concerns he had none and he said gene you're just you know one of the things you're going to have to support him with is making sure that he has everything necessary so he can still coach, make the transition and you help him with maybe not taking him all over the country for the first few months. Let him get settled in, let him get focused on his team and his coaches and then, you know, begin to take him out around and do
3: your donor stuff. And that's kind of what we're trying
2: to do right now.
3: Gene, I don't think it's any secret the, the Kansas State fan base has been a little bit fractured when it comes to basketball the last few years. How gratifying was it to see the fan base so unified after you made the announcement, after the press conference, social media? I mean, I, I, I don't recall seeing Kansas State fans so unified in a long, long time, and I'm sure that had to feel good and, and make you appreciate the hire even more.
2: Well, I'm really happy for Jerome and his family. You know, you make a a, a move like that. He was so comfortable with Baylor and, and his relationship with Scott and, you know, the, the type of institution that he'd been working at, he was really invested in. And the people that I talked to that I know from Baylor, you know, really saw her to see him go. So for him to make that decision, and he said, you know, there were a lot of jobs that, not a lot, he said there had been a few jobs that he had been approached about even some in this year's cycle that he just wasn't interested in. So for him to make the move and be accepted as as widely as he was, I felt really good about him. And, and I felt good about our fan base. You know, they could get energized. They, you know, whether it turns into more ticket sales or not, hopefully it will. That'll a lot be dependent upon, you know, where he is on the winning side of things once he gets going. But uh, yeah, I felt really good about him. I felt happy for our fan base that they could get behind, you know, him and be energized towards our program again.
3: One more question in regards to the overall coaching search. You mentioned a couple guys guys uh, maybe weren't interested in talking to you, but I'm sure you also had coaches that and agents that outreach to you guys expressing interest. But I'm curious, how do you tell when a, or how do you gauge or determine if a coach is genuinely interested in the job or if they're trying to use the job opening as leverage to get a new contract at their existing institution?
2: Yeah, I think the ones we talked to were legitimately interested because, you know, they they weren't at power five jobs currently. There were those that, you know, we certainly reached out to that, um, you know, I think they were mature enough to know that the job was important that they, you know, whether we had a deep conversation with them or not. It really wasn't about leverage. It was really about coming to K-State. Um, but once you get into the conversation, you can kind of tell if they're really invested in you. And, and part of it is, have they done their homework? Hey, we're going to call you on the next day. We've got about an hour. And in that hour, you can pretty much have a pretty clear indication how much they know and how much time they spent on your program. There were a couple that were very impressive, uh, that knew who we were, knew a lot about our current team, knew a a lot about who we were at K-State, yada, yada. There was a couple that were kind of faking it. And and you just kind of wondered, were they really that interested uh, in us? Or was it more about, hey, I get a chance to interview for a Power Five school?
3: A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
1: Gene, with the situation the roster's in right now, obviously a number of players have transferred. That's one pretty common in college basketball anyway right now, and two, especially after a coaching search. I mean, LSU has an entire roster, for instance, in the transfer portal right now. But – Nigel Pack leaves. You have basically like three players left on the roster right now. What what are expectations? What are reasonable expectations for Coach Tang when that is the situation and he's going to have to go find virtually a completely new roster to go out there next year?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, certainly something that we anticipated probably more players than I thought. Uh, To be honest with you, I didn't think it would be this many. But again, I think he has had a chance to evaluate some of the guys we had on the team. And and let them know kind of what his coaching style was like. So I think there was some that, you know, agreed that his opinion was probably they weren't going to maybe play a lot for us and others that said, maybe I just don't really want to play with this, you know, style of the play or coach, whatever. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I think it all depends, you know, look what, you know, I won't say, um, You know, like Iowa State, they, you know, had a great run in the tournament, right? After a year of a rough year, I hope we don't have the – because I know he had a really rough year his first year, and then, of course, they were able to fill some roster spots. But, you know, I think Jerome, when I've talked to him multiple times, uh, that he feels really confident that he's going to be able to put together not only uh, young kids that will come in here and be here for a while – um with some veterans and he says we're going to get dudes so i i believe him and we'll see uh but i know it'll be tough because the way the transfer portal is it does make it a lot easier for some of these kids to transfer and and, and we are there and I'm, I'm sure i know that's what he's been working on pretty much every day is trying to find kids and I mean, there's a lot out there right i mean there's a lot of kids that are, are good in the, in the transfer portal
1: how, how fair of a, a shot did you think he got to to really sell himself to, to Nigel Pack before Nigel decided to enter the portal?
2: I don't know. I mean, I, I know that I had talked to Nigel's dad a couple of times, and I know that um, that he spoke with Nigel when he got here, and, and I think he was at a couple of workouts. Uh, but it seemed a little quicker than I thought it was going to happen. I thought Nigel would, would hang in there a little bit till he got through the NBA stuff. But um, – Nigel's a great kid and a great player for us, and you know we hate to see him go. But you know he, I, I get it; he's trying to make a, a career out of this uh, this business, and he thinks he's certainly capable, and I think he is. But I think we've been able to help him. But um, I wish him the best because he's a great, great young man. And uh, but I think I wish was kind of hoping the coach could have spent a little more time with him to, to convince him to stick around.
3: Gene, I want to shift gears a little bit off of basketball and talk more name, image, and likeness, which is obviously a a big topic nowadays. Aaron Lockett and his agency on Friday announced a a new NIL collective for Kansas State. Can you maybe elaborate on the significance of that announcement and what NIL, what that'll mean? And does K-State have any involvement in that, or is it all independently done? I'm just curious.
2: Well, it's, it's a little bit of both. We can't really do much to promote them, um, you know, or, or really help them create the model. He's got to create the model. What Aaron's been really good at is asking our compliance staff and asking our, you know, our Ahern fund staff, you know, Josh McCown and his crew, he doesn't want to get in the way of the current donors we have yet. He knows he may need some of those donors to participate in the NIL. We even had Aaron on a, on a on a panel in front of our donors, you know, long before he even, I think maybe he had this thought in his mind but long before he'd done any real work on it, but he's been very good about asking us what could he, and could he not do with it? So it's not become, you know, an inducement, but yet certainly something that we can say, or he could reach out to athletes and say, Hey, we've got an opportunity. And so that's really all we can do is if, if a player, recruit or a player were to ask hey how do i get nil opportunities i say well there's the wildcats den how do i get in hold of them well you're just gonna have to go out and we can't hand them a number and say here call this this person so um we're limited in what we can do but we can certainly guide them you know if they have any questions about a particular athlete we can guide them as to what they can and can't do with that athlete so um we appreciate him putting it together he's probably the one that's been the most organized uh, in his efforts. And I believe he's got, you know, some fairly significant opportunities in terms of total dollars available to, to the athletes. And we'll see how
3: it goes. I was going to ask you, have, have you had many donors or businesses come to you and the athletic department and ask how can they get involved? How can they help and really wanting to step forward when it comes to this?
2: Yeah, we have, uh, I would probably say myself, probably half a dozen. Um, and, and, you know, some want to do it just individually and want to know how to do it individually. Others want to either be a part of a collective or, or considering starting a collective. And, and we just kind of guide them. You know, I keep telling them we need we need both. Um, we need both donors to still continue to give to K-State because we need the operational dollars and we need the scholarship dollars. But we're also going to need opportunities for athletes to say, hey, yeah, we've got Athletes with name, name and likeness opportunities. And, and we've been able to promote that this promote it. But, you know, when a recruit comes in, we can say, well, yeah, you know, Nigel Pack had these dollars. Yoki Lee had this dollars. Skylar Thompson had them. So we already had some natural ones of companies reaching out to these guys uh, individually. And so I think that'll just continue to get a little bit better.
1: Do you know, this is just off the top of my head here, quick question, but do you know what the, the top dollar amount was for an athlete at K-State so far? I think, and I
2: think Yoki might be one of the top ones right now. Nigel was up there. Deuce, I'm sure, will continue to get more. But I think Yoki just signed one with Degree, which was a national group. Uh So she may be one of our top ones. I don't know the do- total dollar amount, but she's probably pretty far up there. I don't know that she's yet to six figures, but she's – probably not far from it.
1: How competitive do you feel like in general K-State can be on a national scale when you're trying to recruit kids now, whether it's through the portal or just the traditional high school recruiting, as far as NIL goes? Like, do you feel like you guys are, are pretty caught up with the Joneses as much as you can be in that department?
2: Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I to a point, right? I mean, some of these schools that throw money around that, hey, first of all, I'm not sure it's 100% legal, Um but some of these dollar amounts are just ridiculous. I wouldn't say we're, we're, we're seven figures where we're going to be offering a kid seven figures, but I think what we can offer a kid because we're Kansas state is some exposure like a Yoki that comes in and like the sets you know, sets the world on fire that not only do they get local folks involved, um, they're going to maybe get some national opportunities because it is K-State and you you're a big deal if you're a Skylar Thompson or a Deuce Fawn, or if you go to L.A., you may not be that big of a deal unless you're one of a couple of players. So um, I think we can be very competitive. I think, my, you know, I say all the time, you know, you can still – a school still only has 85 scholarships, right, um, football and 13 in basketball. So, you know, we may not win a kid that goes to Alabama, but we're still going to get – we need just to be get kids that are considering Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Tech you know – And we can do that, I think, with our name, name, image, and likeness opportunities, because the Alabama kid is probably still going to go to Alabama. That's just his name, image, and likeness may be a hundred thousand, where ours might be fifty thousand.
1: Well, transitioning a little bit here to the Big Twelve at large, um, I was a bit surprised to see the news yesterday about Bob Bowlsby announcing that he is going to step down before the end of the year, and it sounds like the Big Twelve would like to uh, have a new commissioner in within the next ninety days. How long had you known that, that this was coming down the pipe that uh, Bob would be stepping away?
2: <laughs> About 24 hours. Uh, I was at the final four. I had actually just seen Bob and we were going to try to get together for a beverage. And then you know, my president called and said, Hey, the news is coming out tomorrow. I just wanted to give you the heads up. And I, I wasn't so sure that Bob wasn't trying to maybe give me a heads up, but there were a bunch of people around me when they ran into him. So um, yeah, I, I didn't see it coming. You know, I, I, I had heard. You know, that about a couple of years ago he was talking about and I saw his uh, press or his press conference or something said he, you know, been looking for, a, you know, an off ramp here for a couple of years. I thought, you know, he was pretty worn pretty thin during the whole conference transition um, a couple of days. But I think he recovered from that recovered very well, in my opinion, but. I don't know. I just think maybe some frustrations of, you know, the expansion or the lack of expansion in the college football playoff, maybe just said, you know what, if it it works for the big 12 and, you know, he's done a lot of the homework already and a lot of the leg work to get us where we are. And maybe it's time. I haven't talked to him yet. I reached out to him via text, but we'll see him a couple of times. We've got a few more meetings uh, the next, next 30 days. Um, So you know, I'm looking forward to continuing to work with him as long as we can. Bob's a tremendous person. He's, I've been a big fan of his and um, just just really wish him the best. And I'm sure he'll land somewhere, probably making some money being a consultant for somebody.
1: Yeah. What what are you guys most looking for in, in the replacement for him? Do you, do you feel like?
2: You know, I don't know what the president's. Obviously that's a presidential decision. Um, you know, I, I – think that it, we need somebody that understands the Big 12. I'd prefer personally a, a person that's currently in college athletics, either a sitting AD like the ACC did. I, I you know, I'm, I'm a little concerned that somebody coming from outside um, college athletics, and particularly that's been sitting in the business, either there's a commissioner or a, an AD that, you know, I'll be honest, a couple of the new commissioners, I'm not so sure they're, it's going to take them a while to get caught up in everything. And, um, and yet, you know, Bob had so much experience, right? He'd been an AD at Iowa, been an AD at Stanford. And you know, I thought he brought to the table, you know, you, we, what Greg Sankey brings to the table and, you know, Jim Delaney and those guys. I think we need that kind of background uh, to fill Bob's role. We can certainly
1: understand that, so Gene. Really appreciate you taking the time uh, in joining us here. Thanks for all your insight. I know uh, hopefully it'll it'll slow down for you a little bit as we as we stretch into summer. But uh, thanks for coming on the podcast here, and hopefully we'll do it again soon.
2: Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on.